Thank you for listening to this podcast from Living Hope Church in Skokie, Illinois, featuring the preaching of Pastor Daniel Mann. For more information about our church, please visit us online at livinghopechicago.com. We hope that today's message will encourage you in your relationship with God. I love the story. I've told this before, uh, but that is given to us by um, a newsman named Charles Osgood. And he talked about two ladies who were in a nursing home. And both of these ladies had strokes. And they had lost uh, partial use of their body. One lady's name was Margaret. The other lady's name was Ruth. And Margaret, because of her stroke, had little use of the left side of her body and specifically her left arm. And Ruth, because of her stroke, had little use of her right side, especially her right arm. And both of these ladies were pianists and loved to play the piano. But because of their stroke, uh, they were unable to play the piano on their own. But they had a... um, an assistant, a worker at this nursing home that came up with a a great suggestion. She said, I wonder if you played together and both of you used the arm that you still have full use of if you could play the piano together. So that's what they did. They sat down at the piano and, and Margaret, who had good use of her right arm, and Ruth, who had good use of her left arm, they played the song together and they could make music. And They started to play often together, and they became good friends, and they found that what they couldn't do alone, they could do together. And I see in that that, that story a beautiful picture of the church and the, the bride of Christ and the family of God and the way that God wants living hope to work, that that what we can't do alone, by God's grace, we can do Together, And that's how God has gifted us. You know, it's God's design. It's His plan that God's people join together, that, that they work together to accomplish uh, His kingdom business. And, you know, and it, and it works when each person contributes according to their God-given ability. That, that's the way that God has designed for His, His church to operate. And it's amazing because we, we don't have to do it all ourselves. And we can't do it all ourselves. You know, I say this often around here that Christianity is not a solo sport. You know, it's not tennis. It's, it's, a, it's a team effort, if you will. And God has a plan for each of us together so that all of us together can be who He has for us and do what He has for us. Now, our theme for the year are these three words, equip, engage, edify. We want to be equipped for the work God has for us, we want to engage in that work. And as we do that, we're edified. And the word edified means to build up, as we're going to see. And what we've been doing is we're going through Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 16. And then covering this to find out a little bit more about this theme that God has directed us in. And I just want to briefly recap the last few messages that, that we've looked at together. Now, we learned a couple weeks back that we are both united and unique. That we've been placed in one body, that we're one based upon some common truths that we hold together, and we're diverse. God has made us unique and different so that we have individual gifts that He's given us to use. Last week we learned about two groups of people. We learned about equippers and we learned about saints. 
equippers are the apostles and the prophets who had a foundation ministry, who have moved off the scene now. And God gave evangelists and uh, pastor teachers. And those four, uh, the apostles and the prophets that we are equipped from as we read the Bible, and evangelists and pastor teachers that we are equipped uh, from today as God blesses His church with those equippers. God has given those to the church to build up the saints. And the second group, or the saints, is everyone who is born again is a saint, and everyone who is born again God has set apart to be trained for the work that He wants them to do. So that's what we're going to look at today. Why did God give us equippers, and why does He want saints equipped? We're going to learn today why He set all that in motion and understand His plan a little bit better. So if you're able to stand with me, would you stand And we're going to begin reading in verse 11. We stand because we believe the Bible is God's Word, and it comes to us with His power and authority, and we stand in reverence because we are hearing the voice of God when we hear the Bible being read. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, God speaking through Paul says to us, And He, that is Jesus, gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into Him in all things, which is the head even Christ, from whom the whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. The Apostle Paul told the Ephesians that they were being equipped for service, that they were to be engaged in service, and that they would be edified by service. So that's what I want to speak to you about today. It's this, that believers are equipped for service, engaged in service, and edified By service. That's what our message is about today. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you for this this day to gather. Thank you for the safety of bringing us here this morning on a cold, uh, snowy day. Thank you for this study and this theme that you've directed our church to this year about being equipped, about being engaged, about being edified. And I pray you would guide us through this final message, through this particular series. Uh, You'd help us to understand more about your plan for each of us. And and Lord, I pray you would give us the clear vision for our lives that you have for our lives. That we would see the vision that you have for us. And that we would see the vision that you have for Living Hope Church. That we would see that clearly from this. Speak to us about that today, Lord. Every believer being equipped for ministry every believer being engaged in service, and every believer being edified by service. That's your vision. 
Make it clear to us, we pray this morning, Father. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. So what does God's Word teach about these three things? Being equipped for service, that's what we engaged in, or that's what we studied last week. About this week, what does God's Word teach about us being engaged in service and us being edified by service? I want to give you two truths today from the passage. Number one, believers are to be engaged in the work of service. So verse 12, God gave equippers for the perfecting or the equipping of the saints, and the saints are equipped for the work of the ministry. So the reason God wants His people equipped is because He wants His people engaged in the work of service. Now the word work in verse 12 is also translated labor or deed. And it speaks of activity. It speaks of performance. It speaks of involvement. You know, I was reading a little bit through the New Testament this week. And you find phrases like this, like the work of the Lord. In 1 Corinthians 15, 58. You read phrases like the work of Christ in Philippians 2 and verse 30. So Jesus has a work, the work of the Lord, the work of Christ. There's a work that He's doing. Now, now what does that talk about? Well, undoubtedly, it refers to the work of making disciples. That's why Jesus came, right? He came to seek and to save the lost. He came to take people who were in the kingdom of darkness, away from God, and to bring them into the kingdom of God, to forgive them, to save them, to, to reconcile them, to, to, to redeem them, and to make them His own people. So the work of Christ, the the work of the Lord is the work of of, of telling the gospel, uh, of sharing the good news. It's leading people from their sin to saving faith in Jesus. It's leading people who repent and believe to be baptized and then to grow in full maturity in Christ. That is the work that God's called us to do. And that's the work that all of us are to be engaged in. So ultimately, the work that Jesus is doing, the work of Christ, the work of the Lord, is the work of making disciples. It's the work of winning and teaching people the ways of Jesus. Now, the word ministry is the word service. It means service. So the work of service. Believers are equipped so that they can do works of service. And you know, it's interesting because the word ministry, which means service, it, it comes with the idea of an attendant or a waiter, a waiter who waits on people at a table. Now, how many of you have ever been a waiter or a waitress in a restaurant? Anyone in here? Or have you worked in the food industry? You know, I, I spent about a year and a half uh, delivering pizza for Domino's. So that's the food industry, right? In some sense, I was a, a waiter. I would uh, make the pizzas. Uh, and by the way, um, we ought to have special prayer for everyone who's working at Domino's, for Papa John's, for Pizza Hut, for Lou Malnati's, for Giordano's, because tonight is the night, brother. And tonight is the night, sisters, because they're going to be working until their legs are going to fall off. You sell more pizza at Domino's on Super Bowl Sunday than you can imagine. I mean, it's crazy. Like people, especially on a snowy night, 
I mean, just hang it up. You're not going to see your family until the wee hours of the morning because they're going to be delivering pizza all over this place to people watching football tonight. But no, so I delivered pizza for a year, and many of you have been involved maybe in some type of food industry, waiting or as a waiter or waitress. You know, it's interesting, the disciples also had a little bit of experience as as waiters, if you will. You remember the story when when Jesus fed the 5,000? So Jesus had 5,000 people who had gathered. They were hungry. They were listening to Jesus' teaching. He said, let's give them food. And the disciples said, Lord, we've got one problem, and it's kind of a big one. Uh, we don't have food. Well, I take that back, Lord. We do have some food. You know, we've got five loaves of bread, two small fish. Good luck with that, feeding a 1,000 people. Jesus said, bring it to me. And he took it, and he multiplied it. I mean, he did a miracle. He did something science can't explain. He did something I can't explain. He took it and he blessed it. He multiplied it. He made more and more out of what was there. And you know what he did, though? He gave what he was multiplying to his disciples. And his disciples took it from Jesus and they went and handed it off. Now, the Bible says that this happened over a long period of time. Can you? I mean, the disciples can't carry enough food for a thousand people at once. They can carry enough food for maybe five or six people at once. So they would, Jesus is multiplying the bread and the fish, and here comes Peter. And he grabs a little bit of handful from Jesus, and he walks over here to, to Bill and Sue and, and Johnny, Mary, and he gives them some food, and he goes back, and he grabs from Jesus, and he passes out, and he distributes what Jesus is multiplying. And this miracle is an, a beautiful picture of, of the work of Christ, I think. Because it, it, it shows us what God is up to, that, that Jesus is doing something. He's creating something. He is giving something. And to you and I, He's giving the gospel. And He's giving to you and I the ability to serve Him. And we are taking from Jesus like a waiter, and we're taking and giving it to people who are in need. And sometimes that looks like us giving the gospel to someone who's lost and who's away from God and needs to come to saving faith in Christ. Or sometimes that looks like us receiving from Jesus of the type of truths and teaching that a new believer needs that we are receiving from Jesus and we're taking and we're guiding a new Christian through the truths of the Bible. It may look like helping to serve a young mom who comes into the service who's got a couple kids and she hasn't had a break all week long and if her kids are going to sit with her during the service, she's not going to hear or understand one word because she's going to be wiping noses and telling to sit down and uh, don't grab that and that's not a toy. And so there's some who serve by going into the nursery and serving her kids and serving her so that she can hear the Word of God. There, there's some that, that go back in the kids' worship and they serve and they're giving out uh, because they want others to be able to hear and understand and grow in God's Word. So the work of Christ looks like you and I being waiters, being attendants, uh, serving at someone's table, so to speak. And we're taking an ability or a gift or time or resource or love that God has poured into us. And we're taking what God has created and what He's giving into us. And we're giving it to someone else. That's ministry. And God has your name on ministry. He's got an assignment for you. The work of ministry. Now there's two contrasts that I read about this week in the Bible. 
And we won't really have time to turn there because my... Now, I don't normally mind making Pastor Jake upset because he kind of works for me. Um, So if if we're a little bit late and I go a little long and the kids drive him crazy, that's kind of okay with me. But my wife's leading today. So if she's mad, she's the boss of me, right? So I'm going to try to hurry along here with this message so that I don't get in too much trouble with her. But, yeah, yes, it's a wise man that says amen to something like that. But Paul referred to two different groups of people on... Two different passages. In 1 Corinthians 16 15, he talked about some people who he described as being addicted to the ministry of the saints. He said, These are people who are so heavily invested to serving other believers. And he described them as being addicted to the ministry of the saints. And if you contrast that with another group of people in 2 Thessalonians 3.11 that he described as busy bodies not working at all. So he is basically saying they're busy doing nothing. (laughs) They're busy doing nothing but getting into other people's business. I mean, if, if gossip is busy, then they're busy. But if serving in the work of the ministry is what we're talking about, he said they're not doing anything at all. If you contrast those two, some who are addicted to the ministry of the saints, they are so heavily invested in serving others. Comparing that with those he described as not working at all. What we see from Ephesians 4 is that God's plan for us is that He doesn't want any of us to be idle. I mean, He, he doesn't want any of us to be sitting on our hands until He comes again. That, that He's given something for us to do. And we're to be engaged in that work. He's called us to do some things in His work of service. Let me give you some Scripture, and these are on the screen that you can look at. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. I love this verse. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. How about Hebrews 6.10? For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward His name, in that you have ministered or served the saints and do minister. How about Hebrews 9.14, which says, How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God to purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. You see what's happening here? God has saved us from a life of dead works where we live for ourselves or live for what doesn't matter or, God forbid, live our lives for a paycheck and that's all we live for. You ever think about the absolute... Uh, foolishness of just living for a paycheck. If you talk to somebody, they are, they are absolutely grinding themselves to death, working, working. Why? So they can retire. And then what happens when they retire? Well, a lot of times when they retire, their health is gone. The best years are ahead. So it's like they've worked for a mirage. I mean, they're working for something that they think is there. When they finally get there, it's gone. They don't have the health to enjoy it. Then they don't have any friends because they've worked themselves to end. And they, they, they look back at their life and they say, I don't have any type of ministry work that I can look back that I really invested my life in to serve Him. 
Or they work for a beautiful house or a beautiful car, and before they know it, they're in that beautiful house alone. They're driving that beautiful car alone because either their family has already passed away or because their God and their idol was their work. They have no one left to share their life with. Friends, this is not the way you and I, as people of God, want to spend our lives. Yes, we have to work. And yes, we ought to work hard and we ought to be diligent in what we do. But we need to make sure we have left margin in our life to not only work for the occupation that we do that pays the bills, but where we can invest in the kingdom work of God. As the Scripture says, to serve the living God. Now, what does this mean for us practically? We're talking about engaging in work of service. What does this mean for us practically? Well, the word work and labor reminds us that it's not easy and that serving God does not come without its challenges. I mean, there can be early mornings. You know, I, I was really, God really ministered to my soul this morning because I'm coming to church and it's cold, it's snowy. I, I stopped in to, to, to get some coffee. I was in there for a little while. I came back out to my truck and my truck is like, it's frozen solid over. Like the windows are like, you can't even, like it's just like completely like a shell of ice over it. And I'm thinking, Lord, no one's going to show up today. <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm going to come to our nine o'clock growth group class and I'm going to teach the green chairs. You know, I'm going to have a lesson with the chairs and just talk to them, right? And, and I show up and, and we had like six, seven people that came in for growth group. And sometimes in the work of the ministry is early mornings. And, and sometimes those early mornings are, are cold. Or sometimes they're late nights. Sometimes it means that we are exhausted. Sometimes it means in the work of ministry we're persecuted. Sometimes it means that we have to do a lot of sowing and we don't see a lot of reaping at the time. Sometimes the reaping and the fruit comes later on that you see little of that initially. Uh, What it means is sometimes our priorities have to be set. Some sacrifices have to be made so that we can engage in the things that really matter. In life. And so the work of the ministry reminds us that it's just that it's work, it's labor. You and I ought to sometimes be tired after coming to church or tired after the week because we've been doing some things for Him when we could have just been doing what the world does on their time off. But it doesn't mean that we don't need rest. We do need rest. I'm not saying that you need to work yourself till you don't have any rest. But what I'm saying is, I don't think many of us are at that place yet when it comes to the work of the ministry. If we are exhausted, maybe it's because we're doing a lot of things that is above and beyond what we ought to be doing in our work or in other things. So the the word work reminds us that it's just that. It's labor, and it can be exhausting. And the word service practically reminds us that we are to give ourselves to others. That, That we are not in this life to be served, but we're in this life to serve others. It's a call of self-denial. It's a call to selflessness, which is the opposite of what the world thinks. It's a reminder that service means that we're called not to be spectators, but participators. That we're not sitting in worship always, but there are times that we're standing in service. And I'm afraid for a lot of Christians, a lot of their life is just sitting in worship services and there's not a lot of standing in service. There's not a lot that they're doing to engage in the work of the ministry. I wrote this down this week. There are classes to be started. 
bulletins to be folded, guests to be welcomed, events to be planned, diapers to be changed, walls to be painted, sick to be visited, uh, training sessions to be led, supplies to be purchased, believers to be discipled, offerings to be counted, burdens to be shared, letters to be written, needs to be met, lost souls to be witnessed to, and the list could go on and on and on and on. And where are you and where am I at in that type of labor? That type of work. Well, I'm just too busy at work. I would say you're too busy and and more busy than God would have you to be if you don't have time for any of the work of the ministry. I I used to listen to Adrian Rogers who passed away as a pastor in Memphis for so many years. He said, if I work as much as I can to make as much money as I can all the time, I'm going to be working for money when I ought to be spending time with my family, or I'm going to be working for money when I ought to be teaching a class, or I'm going to be working for money when I ought to be visiting someone who's in need, I'm going to be working for money when I ought to be engaged in some type of service for Jesus Christ. So what I'm saying is, is there's so much labor that goes into the work of the ministry. You and I need to look at our schedule, look at our lives, and look at our calendar and say, am I creating the type of margin that will allow me not only to do the work that I have for my career, but also to be engaged in the work of service in Christ's work. Let me give you the last one. Not only are believers to be engaged in service, but finally, believers are to be edified by service. I told you that the word edifying means the building up, the building up of the body of Christ. And That gives the idea of growth. It gives the idea of development. It gives the idea of advancement. And the meaning is that the whole church or the the body of Christ becomes more like Jesus when each member of the church or each person in the church engages in the work of service. So as each individual engages in working for Jesus, the whole body of Christ becomes stronger, grows healthier, and develops more into the image of Christ. It means that the the, the body of Christ, the church, their faith in and knowledge of Jesus leads them to full maturity, that they're no longer immature children who are easily deceived by crafty and false teachers, because as they know the truth and as they speak the truth in love, Each person in the congregation begins to grow in maturity, becomes more like Jesus, starts to look more like Jesus in their life. You know, Paul used this analogy to explain how the church grows in maturity. He he used the analogy of a body where Christ is the head and you and I are the body. And we're each a different body part. And every body part functions as it designed. I mean, 1 Corinthians 12 is all about this, how that the eye has a function, and the ear has a function, and the nose has a function, and fingers, and hands, and feet. They all have a function. And the whole body becomes healthy and fully developed as each part does what it's designed to do. Now, just as your physical body needs every part functioning and healthy in order to be the healthy person your whole body needs. So I guess, let me see if I can make a better sense of that. So in order for your body to be functioning at full capacity, you need both of your eyes functioning. You need both of your ears functioning and healthy. I mean, if your eye, one eye is not healthy, you need to get it treated, right, if, if possible, because that will affect the rest of your body. If you can't see out of one eye, 
If, if one hand is, is injured and not functioning properly, it's going to affect the rest of your body. And so just as you and I need our physical bodies healthy and fully functioning, so the body of Christ needs every person to be spiritually healthy, spiritually maturing, and functioning or serving for us to grow in Christ's likeness. So I'm almost finished, but I got this on the screen and I don't want you to miss it. It's this, that God did not just save you from something. God has saved you for something. He didn't just save you from judgment and hell. He has saved you for something, to serve Him. If you are born again, then you are a minister with a ministry. Minister means a servant, one who serves. And ministry means the service that we do. So you are a servant of Jesus with an area of service. And if you and if I will engage in service, what happens is others are built up. Others will be edified. And I know that that's your desire as it is mine, to be involved in in helping other people become more like Jesus. I mean, I know that you long to be used in the growth of others. Wouldn't you like that to be said of you when your life is over? That, listen, she or he was a part of helping me to become more like Jesus. That God used them to help me become more like Christ. I think that's what all of us would like to be said about us. And what I would just simply say to you as we come to a close in a moment, is that this church needs you. That others need you. That you bring a vital contribution to the local congregation here. And that as you serve, as you engage in work for Jesus, other people are built up. That's how God designed it. You know, Margaret couldn't play the piano anymore without Ruth, and Ruth couldn't play the piano anymore without Margaret. They, they needed each other. And it was a win-win when they sat down together. It was a lose-lose if they tried to do it on their own. And what I would say to you is that you being engaged in the work of service is a win-win. And being disengaged is a lose-lose. And I'll tell you why. When you engage in serving Jesus, it's a win-win because you edify others and others will edify you. But if you and I disengage, it's a lose-lose because what other people need from us, we won't be giving to them. And what we need from others, they won't be able to give to us. You see how it's a lose-lose? It's a lose-lose because we need one another. And if you don't give your contribution, then we don't receive what we need. And if you're not here to receive what we're giving to you, then you lose because you're not being built up. But when God's people each do individually what He's given them to do, then it's a win-win for everyone. Everyone is built up. So God's design is for you to be equipped for service, to be engaged in service, and to be edified by service. So let me give you three action steps as we come to a close today. The first one is the word allow. The first step is to allow. And what I mean by that is allow yourself to be equipped for service. What what we need to do and what we try to do at Living Hope is treat each person as an individual. 
Find out how is God gifting you? What are you passionate about? How do you help other people grow? And then being equipped for that. That looks like attending faithfully because a lot of equipping comes from when we teach the Word here through the sermons. It means joining a a growth group and coming and being a part of a small group. It means bringing your Bible and studying your Bible. It means doing those here journals because that's how we're equipped as we study the Bible and, and read the Bible. Take notes Apply what you learn. Participate in, in any training classes. And we host things like, like the, the, the three circles training. That's to equip people. That's why we do it. I, I promise you, I don't mean this, I don't mean this wrong, but I, I, don't, I don't look on the schedule and say, Lord, how can I spend an extra three hours at church on Sunday? And I'm not just bored saying, you know, how can I just you know, make up a training session because I'm bored and don't want to do other things to do. No, we, we do those things on, for a reason because we want to equip and train people how to share the gospel. I'm not just thinking of stuff to do. You know, same thing with our growth group. Same thing with the classes that we host, the training that we offer. Allow yourself to be equipped. Secondly, engage. I mean, it's just very simple. Use your time. Use your ability. Use your resources to serve others. You say, I don't really know. Come see me or Pastor Jake and say, I would like to get more involved in serving Jesus. Come see us. We can give you some ideas and we can find out how you specifically are gifted to serve Him. And then the final step is to watch. To watch how God uses your life to build other people up and watch how God uses other people to build your life up. See, that's what I love about growth groups. When we get together, 8, 10, 12 of us, around a table to study God's Word, what happens is each of us start to build each other up. We all bring something that helps someone else, and someone else brings something that helps us. And so when we work together and serve together, we can watch how God builds our lives up. If you committed your life to Jesus Christ or made a spiritual decision, we would like to rejoice with you. Please connect with us on our website, livinghopechicago.com. We hope you'll join us next time for another encouraging message from God's Word.